We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everyone? And thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Ducks Dish podcast. Uh, It's been a little bit since we had uh, an episode of the pod, so I am super stoked to be back on the podcast talking with all you guys. Uh, We are live on YouTube at Oregon Football, Max Torres. That's where you can always find us. Uh, If you guys are here in the live chat, definitely want to say thank you to you guys for taking some time out of your day to talk some ball with us. Uh, Definitely have some some big stories, some big updates that I want to get into here today. Uh, A couple of big commitments for the Oregon Ducks in football and basketball. So we're going to make sure to get into those commitments and break them down here on this episode of the Ducks Dish podcast. And then uh, we also have some more Oregon football updates as the Ducks are in full in uh, fall camp. Fall camp is a full go right now. Uh, and then what else do we have? We also have our mailbag. Uh, so it's kind of like a jumbled up uh, mega episode of, <clears throat> excuse me, of the podcast, if you will. Uh, but before we get into that's I just wanted to kind of give you guys a little rundown of, of what the show is looking like today and uh, what is ultimately in store. So with all that being said, let's hop into our first story. Um, let me get the little ticker going here. There we go. All right. Uh, on Friday, August 12th, the Oregon Ducks went back into the state of California to land another commitment Uh, That is 2023 Sacred Heart Cathedral linebacker Jerry Mixon out of San Francisco. Uh, If that last name looks familiar, it's because he is the cousin, I believe, uh, of Joe Mixon, NFL running back for the Cincinnati Bengals. So uh, the Ducks definitely get a a great player with uh, some some NFL bloodlines, NFL legacy, which never hurts. But uh, I think with with Jerry Mixon, it was a good get for Oregon because he's that first true linebacker for Oregon in this 2023 recruiting class. Um, they do are the Ducks already do have Tatum Tuioti, the local edge rusher out of Sheldon, in the fold for this 2023 class. But I think you need to add more linebackers there because um, looking down the line, this is Noah Sewell's last year with Oregon. Uh, at linebacker. He's the top draft prospect for the Ducks heading into this season. And heck, Justin Flo could test NFL waters after just one full season, seeing that he would be three years removed from high school after the completion of this season. I know a lot of Duck fans are excited to see what's in store for Justin Flo, former Buckus Award winner, 
Um, he was announced on the Oregon roster. Uh, he was 6'3", 230. So it uh, looks like he's definitely stayed in the weight room as he's been uh, you know, recovering from his season-ending injury that he suffered against Fresno State last year and that amazing game that we saw from him. But uh, back to Jerry Mixon, uh, he announced the top five of Arizona, Arizona State, Missouri, Oregon, and UCLA prior to making his commitment to Dan Lanning and the Oregon Ducks. UCLA was at one point viewed in, as the leader, as the team to beat, you know, the team in the driver's seat here. Um, I think um, it's it's great that Oregon was able to to kind of close the gap here. I know that that Mixon w- was up in Eugene in the spring for a visit, and then he was able to get back on campus for an unofficial visit, um, kind of right around the SNL uh, camp timeline. So that puts it at, puts it at late July, and and that looks like it was really what sealed the deal for Mixon. When I was talking to him before his decision, he spoke very highly of this newly assembled Oregon coaching staff. He spoke about how you know, they have coaches coming in from all these big name schools, from from Georgia, from Alabama. Um, obviously, pointing there to Dan Lanning, the new head coach, and then the new defensive coordinator Tosh Lapoy, who has this really unique blend of of college and NFL experience. Uh, I think he had more success at uh, the college level in his career so far. But that's what a lot of these recruits want: is they want to see that NFL representation on the roster on the coaching staff so that they know if they go to that school they have someone who's done it before and who they can confidently say will develop them and help them get to the next level and their ultimate goal which is the NFL reaching the league Uh, so he spoke very highly of the coaching staff there the environment in Eugene how there's not a lot of distractions in Eugene and you can really just kind of focus on your craft spoke highly of the facilities like just about every recruit does um, but it's definitely a good win for Oregon on the recruiting trail. You, you keep that California presence very strong, the Northern California pipeline more specifically, perhaps. Um, Jerry Mixon plays in the West Catholic Athletic League, which is the same league that Oregon wide receiver commit Jurion Dickey uh, has played in his high school career thus far. Uh, quick note on Jurion Dickey, he did clarify on Twitter that he was uh, not going to be at modern day in Santa Ana this year. He just said he was enrolled at a school, but, but didn't reveal which school that was. Um, and one of the sources that I talked to previously told me that he was going to be transferring to modern day, but, uh, but just clarifying that uh, Jerion Dickey will not be attending modern day for his senior season of high school football. So let's see what else we have on, uh, on Jerry here. I want to get into some of the film so you guys can see what kind of player Oregon is getting here and their latest commit in the 2023 recruiting class. All right, Uh, that's kind of a cool layout. I didn't know I could do that. Um, Let's see, we're gonna not do that. What other layout can I have here? Maybe if I just, um, here we go. Okay, Jerry Mixon, uh, 2023 linebacker slash running back, uh, committed to Oregon recently. I think one of the things that really pops off the page right away, jumps off the page, is, is the physicality and athleticism that, that Jerry Mixon brings to the table at the linebacker position. Uh, he's someone that is, is more than capable of coming down in the run support. Uh, obviously, you definitely need that when you're trying to solidify yourself as, as a strong team in the trenches, which from everything that we've heard from Tosh Lapoy, that, that's really what he wants this defense to be, right? You know, relentless. Uh, you know, you know, violent, that's, that's what you want in your defense. 
And uh, you see here as, as Jerry Mixon gets uh, an interception on his, his tape that he's a playmaker as well. Here you see him getting a sack, getting into the backfield, not over pursuing, uh, you know, making sure to break down and, and just kind of widen out so that nothing gets by him. Uh, but this guy can clearly run. And I think that you need that in your linebackers, right? We saw that with Jeffrey Bossa last year and, and why he was such a success story uh, for, for the Oregon defense, even though he was a former defensive back, he has about the same size. He's, he's definitely lighter than Jerry Mixon is. Jeff Bossa was, was announced at 6'2", 212, I want to say, 216 in the updated Oregon football roster. That's something we'll get to later in the show. Uh, but back to Mixon's tape, you, you just see him flying around on defense. Perhaps worth noting that, you know, some of that athleticism, we really saw that utilized for the Sacred Heart Fighting Sacred Heart Cathedral Fighting Irish, uh, you know, throughout his high school career, as this is a guy who's really capable of playing running back as well. And at 6'2", 230, that is a bruising back uh, without a doubt. Kind of reminds me of Dante Dowdell, Oregon's 2023 running back commit out of the state of Mississippi. Um, but I love that positional versatility that uh, that you see with, with a lot of high school guys, right? You know, usually playing both sides of the ball. There's a clip, uh, some clips here against my high school, the, the Bellarmine Bells, uh, you know, shout out San Jose. So I uh, was definitely excited uh, that Jerry Mixon committed to Oregon, seeing that he was a Bay Area guy, uh, always taking interest in, in the Bay Area prospects for Oregon. Um, so Oregon's getting back into, uh, you know, a, a relative talent hotbed. Jer Jerry Mixon plays in the top league, top league in Northern California. That is the West Catholic Athletic League. Um, he was also named one of two utility players of the year in the West Catholic Athletic League. So that really shows that he can just kind of do a little bit of everything. I think we saw in, in the tape that he was actually returning kicks a little bit or having some impact there on, on special teams as well. Uh, Jerry Mixon was a first team, first teamer. Uh, he earned first team all West Catholic Athletic League honors uh, following a strong junior season. Now he's got his commitment to, to Oregon all wrapped up. So he's going to be able to just focus on his senior season. He, he also won a state title with, with Sacred Heart Cathedral last year. So he's a proven winner. Um, been, been interesting to, to watch the transformation of the Sacred Heart Cathedral uh, program that Jerry Mixon is a part of, um, because I'll be honest, when, when I was in high school from uh, 2012 to 2016, Sacred Heart was was definitely not viewed as one of the, the better teams in the league. Here they are, I think, against Valley Christian, where, where Jurion was. Um, so to, to see that Jerry Mixon has, has played a role in, in getting this team to the state title and helping them kind of transform, you can see the pass rush there uh, and, and the finish there, the closing speed from Mixon. Uh, I think it's, it's someone that's going to have that physicality that you want in, in, uh, in a linebacker, uh, you know, using his hands really violently to, to get guys off of him. I think that's something that you want to see uh, in your linebackers. Um, so this was a, a good get for the Oregon Ducks and, and one that they quite frankly needed seeing that uh, there were a couple, couple guys that they missed on, on the recruiting trail of late um, kind of continuing some of that momentum though, that they did build at the beginning of the month picking up a couple pieces along that defensive line for Tony Tuioti, specifically Terrence Green, the big time Texas offense or defensive lineman, excuse me, uh, as well as Michael Gardner uh, out of Arizona. So those are two big pieces that the Oregon Ducks really needed. Now you're looking to see how can we get a, a better overall round on, on this class? 
uh, this 2023 recruiting class, looking for some pieces along the offensive line. I think that's kind of the biggest need for Oregon right now. Um, but there's still a lot of big names on the board uh, for Oregon in this 2023 class overall. So uh, just some final notes um, with with this recruiting class for Oregon, you know, this recruiting update, I should say. Uh, Oregon's 2023 recruiting class now ranks number 15 in the country. Uh, I think that was one of the... Uh, one of the questions that we had in the live chat. So I'm just trying to double check my, my notes here so I can make sure I'm given all the uh, good updates. Uh, this question was from Cascadia Surfer. Hey, Max, what's our 2023 recruiting overall ranking now with these two additions? Um, the other one's actually in basketball. So we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But the 2023 recruiting rankings is number 15 uh, overall. Um, let's see where that lands them in the Pac-12 uh, for 2023, Oregon's right on USC's tail there at, at number two in the Pac-12. Oregon now has 14 total commits in this 2023 recruiting class, whereas USC has 15 commits. Oregon has one five-star prospect, according to the 247, that, of course, being quarterback Dante Moore out of Detroit. And USC has two five-stars in Malachi Nelson, I believe, as well as Zachariah Branch. So Oregon continuing to make up ground on USC. Could they be... Uh, passing the Trojans in the recruiting rankings in the near future. We'll have to see because there's some more guys that uh, I believe are set to announce their college commitments this month with high school football season uh, really being in full swing, but really getting underway and kicking off, you know, here in the next two weeks. So that was the first update that we had in today's show. Uh, and now I'm going to go ahead and type up a ticker for the next one. Um, and then we'll get into that. All right, the next story, Oregon basketball, Dana Altman and the Ducks received a massive commitment on Friday afternoon when five-star forward Mookie Cook announced that he would be recommitting to the Oregon Ducks. Uh, kind of a, an interesting little timeline for uh, Mookie. He initially committed to Oregon on March 31st, but then he decommitted in June, decided to open things back up and, and his recruitment um, he is a name that a lot of Oregon fans have known for quite a while now, seeing that he is originally from Portland. He's a, a native Oregonian, um, played at, at Jefferson High School, where the Ducks also found 2022 safety Trajan Williams. Uh, he's now on campus at Oregon and, and enrolled. This was a massive get for Oregon because Mookie is one of the top players in the country, plain and simple. Um, I think that this is, in a way, it's like unprecedented waters for Oregon. But at the same time, Dana Altman has proved for a long time now that he is one of the best recruiters nationally. And Oregon has been more and more frequently landing blue chip prospects, five-star caliber players over some blue bloods like Kentucky, Duke, uh, Arizona, Michigan State. You know, schools like that, those are schools that you're always seeing Dana Altman competing with and more often than not nowadays winning beating on the recruiting trail uh mookie cook six seven 200 pounds small forward like i said he's originally from portland but he has since transferred to compass prep in chandler arizona 247 has him ranked as the number four prospect in the entire country for 2023 number two small forward and the top small forward or sorry the top prospect excuse me in the state of Arizona. And 
it's kind of been a whirlwind of a summer for Dana Altman and the Oregon Ducks on the recruiting trail, right? If, if you look back to June, uh, things, you know, they didn't fall apart, but they, they were looking a little bit questionable, maybe a little bit of cause for concern when uh, Dior Johnson, Oregon's five-star point guard, point guard signee in the 2022 class, I remember this happened because I was on vacation and it was like the biggest thing, biggest story that broke while I was out of town. Um, Dior Johnson backed off of his commitment and uh, he has since announced that he will be attending Pitt. So he'll be playing for the Pittsburgh Panthers in 2022. Um, the Ducks did get Kalel Ware in 2022 as well. So that was kind of their new prized commit. A lot of people were looking at it uh, with Dior and Kalel Ware. Uh, as you know, that, that dynamic duo, that pick and roll combo that you really get excited about seeing them run the floor and then Kalel Ware being one of the top rim protectors. He's already getting 2023 NBA draft buzz, um, but that's pretty noticeable uh, and unexpected, I would say, because you see that so frequently with more and more players uh, choosing the G League or maybe even going overseas sometimes instead of playing college basketball. I think that's one of those um, one of those situations not specifically with Kalel, but just for broadly for college basketball, where NIL is is of major benefit here because instead of going to the G League or, or playing professionally overseas for a year, that's kind of incentivizing players, right, to to stick it out and stay in the States, right, to play some college basketball. So then we get to see them in these rivalry matchups. We get to see them in uh, March Madness, right, which is, you know, so many people's favorite part of the year. I went to Gonzaga. Uh, and I know how uh, how awesome college basketball is and, and how that time of year is just totally different. Um, you know, my, my Zags broke my heart my freshman year when they made it to the national championship. And, and then they fell short against uh, North Carolina. And then they recently made it back to the national championship, uh, you know, since I had moved to Eugene. And then they lost to Baylor in the national championship. So don't have the best luck when it comes to my college basketball team. Uh, you know, on the big stage, but um, we're talking some hoops. So I just wanted to throw that little story in there. Um, so this, this commitment is big because Mookie, his commitment comes 10 days after the Ducks added Kwame Evans Jr., uh, five-star power forward, 6'9", 200 pounds out of Montverde Academy out there in Florida. Montverde is a nationally renowned basketball program, a uh, bunch of the best players uh, end up going there. A couple guys that, that come to mind, D'Angelo Russell, who's an NBA point guard, as well as Ben Simmons. Uh, so uh, Oregon's definitely making it a point to go into these national powerhouses. You have Will Richardson, obviously, when he was coming out of high school at Oak Hill, uh, which was a big, big basketball program as well. And then kind of a, a guy that is maybe a little bit under the radar or maybe isn't talked about too much. The, the other piece, the, the third member of the trio now that is Oregon's 2023 basketball recruiting class is Jackson Shellstad, the local point guard out of West Lynn. Uh, he's a four-star, um, not ranked quite nearly as high as, as Mookie Cook and Kwame Evans. Mookie Cook at fourth overall, Kwame Evans at seventh overall. Both those guys are five stars. And then Jackson Shellstad, uh, at 69th overall nationally, uh, but certainly uh, a guy that has quite the recruiting acumen. So you like how this stat, this uh, class is coming together for for Oregon. Um, you, you figure you're probably going to lose Will Richardson after this 2022 season uh, and Folly Dante as well. I think he's someone that's probably entering his last season of college basketball. 
Uh, but they're bringing in the pieces to kind of shore up some of those, some of the the depth there, right? Um, so I think that it's it's a, another big win for uh, for Dana Altman. Ducks now have the sixth overall class, sixth ranked class uh, in 2023. Let's go through the schools that are ahead of them. Uh, this is one through five. You have Duke, Kentucky, Michigan State schools that I was talking about that Oregon finds themselves going with and sometimes beating. Um, perhaps more, not more often than not, but more frequently than in the past nowadays on the recruiting trail. So Michigan State at three, Ohio State at four, and Iowa State at five. Kind of a surprise team there a little bit, seeing um, the Cyclones there at, at number five. Uh, but Oregon's 2023 class is is absolutely one of the best in the country now, and uh, they're just continuing to, to rise. And I don't think that they're done. I, I think I saw uh, I think I saw a tweet or a report out there the other day that said that they're uh, maybe turning some attention to the son of Peja Stojakovic, uh, who was obviously uh, you know an M- NBA legend. Um, so that's a uh, that's the story I need to do a little bit more digging on. But but keep an eye out there to see who else Oregon might be going after in their 2023 basketball recruiting class. So let's shift gears now just a little bit um to our next topic and that is the mailbag we're going to be opening up the Oregon football and recruiting mailbag uh I always put out a tweet ahead of time asking you guys for your questions on Twitter a uh, reminder that you can follow me on Twitter to make sure you get a question into the next episode right there at M Sports that's where you guys want to find me on Twitter uh, definitely give me a follow so you can stay up to date on all the latest Oregon Ducks news. Uh, Twitter's awesome, probably one of my favorite platforms other than YouTube here, uh, just for getting news out quickly and efficiently. So with all that being said, I got some questions that I want to get into here for the mailbag. Uh, for those of you that uh, tweeted at me with, with your questions. And then um, again, a reminder uh, if you want to ask me a question, feel free to hop in the live chat and uh, throw a question my way, and I'll do my best to answer it. Love engaging with the fans. This show is for you guys, uh, so we want to make sure that you guys are getting involved. So let's hop into our first question after I drink a little bit of water here. All right, first question comes from Gerard Berry. Long friend of the program, the Ducks Dish podcast, Gerard asks, on the 2022 schedule, what road game do you wish was at Autzen Stadium? You can't say Georgia since it's a quote-unquote neutral location. What home game are you glad isn't on the road? Also, what road games do you think you will or hope you will be attending? Hashtag Ducks Dish. Thanks for using the hashtag there, Jerry Gerard. Uh, we love that. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and pull up the schedule right now, just so I have this in front of me. So the first part of the question from Gerard uh, was, um, which game, which road game do you wish was at Autzen Stadium? Um, Let's see here. Um, I think the road game that I wish was at Autzen Stadium this year, I mean, it's a little hard to say because the Ducks draw a lot of their toughest games, you know, their their toughest opponents, their best games um, at Autzen Stadium this year. Um, so I think, excuse me there, sorry about that. Um, I think that the game that I wish was a home game, if I, gosh, this is a tough one. 
because I already have so many great home games. I think I guess I'll go with with Washington State. I think for for Oregon, it would be nice if this Washington State game was at home because it's a new quarterback. Cameron Ward's the new quarterback for Jake Dicker and the Cougars put up absolutely insane numbers at Washington State. Um, I think that that's probably the biggest thing that stands out about Cam Ward. He's a mobile quarterback, athletic quarterback, which are always tough for a defense to scheme for and prepare for. Um, And I feel like maybe not so much now, but certainly in the past, tell me a school more than Washington State. Tell me a school that has embodied Pac-12 after dark energy more than Washington State in the Pac-12. I don't think you can really find one or you'll be hard pressed to find one. Um, Washington State... Every time they play Oregon, it just feels like there's a little element of chaos in those games, which make for more entertaining games, no doubt. Um, but I think for, for this Oregon staff, you know, first year coaching, first year head coach, new coaching staff under Dan Lanning, uh, new quarterback, looking like it's probably going to be Bo Nix. I just think that if you have that game at home, maybe you're sleeping a little bit more easily the night before uh, because things can get pretty crazy out there on the Palouse. Really good environment. I think an underrated environment in the Pac-12. Um, like I said, you know, I spent I spent a lot of time, uh, four years in, in the Pacific Northwest before I, I got out to Eugene, before I, uh, you know, pursued my, my master's degree at, at Oregon. And people in Eastern Washington, that that's more often than not their, their team of choice, whether it's Eastern Washington or the Cougs. And uh, that's a really passionate fan base. So if you guys haven't and you're able to make it out to that Oregon game, uh, not too crazy of a drive from Eugene to uh, to Pullman. It's a long drive, but but not too crazy long. Um, I would recommend going to that game. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and say I wish that the Ducks uh, were playing the Cougs at home. Um, let's see. And then what home game are you glad isn't on the road was another part of Gerard's question. Um, I, I feel like this one's a pretty easy uh, a pretty easy answer. I'm going to go with Utah. Um, I'd say Utah or BYU uh, because BYU has a very fat, passionate fan base. Uh, and, and they're just, I think they're growing more and more attraction uh, as far as just being a team that being a school that a lot of people are taking notice of on the national scene. Heck they're, they're headed for the big 12 here in a year or two. Right. Um, so I think that BYU or Utah um, those are two games that I'm really happy are, are home games for Oregon. We saw what happened in Salt Lake City last year at Bryce Eccles Stadium when the Ducks were playing the Utah Utes, uh, and, and that was just a, a really ugly scene. Um, I think we have to see how this team looks this year, but historically and probably not to many people's surprise, Oregon is a stronger team when they're at home, when they're defending home turf uh, at Odson Stadium in Eugene, and, and that's not much of a surprise, but uh, I think that those are two games, especially now with Utah, they're looking like they, you know, they're puffing up their chest a little bit after winning that first Pac-12 championship since joining the conference. Kyle Whittingham has to feel really confident. You got Cam Rising coming back, Tavion Thomas. And uh, even though they lose some guys on that defense, you still got Clark Phillips uh, coming back. And I think he's definitely one of the, one of the, uh, best players on that defense. So you got to be happy. They're going to have guys on that defense. Morgan Scaly is one of the best coordinators in the Pac-12. So if I'm Morgan, I'm taking a look at that schedule. I'm looking at that matchup on November 19th in Eugene. And I'm saying, 
I'm super glad that I'll be looking in the stands uh, when, when, you know, there's some big plays going on, big moments, and seeing that green, that's the color for the November 19th game against Utah. It says wear green. I'm going to be happy I'm looking up and seeing more green than red, uh, seeing that that's, you know, Utah's primary color. Uh, and so that's those are the two games that I would probably – I'd probably say Utah more so than BYU – um, because that matchup is, is one that I think concerns you more if you're Oregon. But that BYU game is, is not going to be easy, in, in my opinion. Um, so let's see here. Last part of Gerard's question. Also, what road games do you think that you will or hope you will be attending? Um, let's see. Well, for road games, let's see. Road games. I, I kind of want to make it out to Colorado. Um, I want to go to that that Boulder game that's set for November 5th. I don't have travel plans for that one right now, uh, but you always see those lists that come out, you know, ranking the top college towns in the country. Um, Eugene's pretty much always on that list. You see Corvallis as well, staying in the Pac-12 with Oregon State. But I see Boulder up there quite a bit, quite a bit. I, I hear a lot about uh, Boulder and the college town atmosphere that that presents. Um, certainly not a, a powerhouse program for – uh, the Pac-12, I know that they they made some noise with, with Mike McIntyre when he was there. Um, they also had a pretty solid season and limited action that we saw in the COVID-shortened season in 2020. Uh, so I'm going to say Colorado. Colorado is a state I've only been to once or twice, uh, specifically the Denver area. But, but Colorado as a state is absolutely beautiful. Uh, and, and I'd love to see what that environment's like, what the, the pregame runout is with, with Ralphie. Uh, the mascot and, and uh, you know, the live Buffalo uh, that they have there. I just feel like that'd be a really unique uh, element seeing that obviously I've been covering Oregon for a while and, and there's no live mascot for, for Oregon. Um, but the duck does stay uh, very, very lively. Right. Um, so that's kind of what I, I would hope to make it out to Colorado um, or maybe, maybe Arizona to see what Tucson's like. I have some, some buddies that are living in Arizona. So it'd be fun to kind of make it out there for that game and, and get to see them kind of kill two birds with one stone, see some homies and, 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 you know, cover a game. So I'd say Colorado or Arizona. Um, I've already been to uh, Berkeley cool stadium, but not like a crazy atmosphere. Uh, so that's going to be my answer to that question. Um, quickly looking at the comments, we got some people checking in Cascadia surf rider had a question earlier. Uh, Mr. Eddie, the dog says, go ducks. What's going on? Glad you're here. Um, he also says UGA and Oregon score prediction ducks, 24 dogs, 17. So he has his prediction in, uh, with that game getting closer every day, sees Oregon getting a, a touchdown win, uh, you know, one score victory over the Georgia Bulldogs. And then a quick note in case anyone forgot, we got preseason football that is, uh, that's going on right now. Bolt up chargers tonight, kick the Rams butts. So, Got to keep an eye on Justin Herbert, and we'll see if he sees uh, how much action he sees in uh, tonight's game against the Rams. But uh, don't go anywhere. We're going to take a quick break here on the Ducksfish podcast, and we got more Oregon football discussion, more mailbag questions after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data 
and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome back to the Ducks Dish Podcast. We're rocking and rolling here Saturday morning, August 13th. And uh, we got some more questions that you guys sent in to get asked in this episode. Next question comes from Izzy Cavesos. Izzy asks, are you as excited as I am to watch games at Autzen Stadium and TV road games? Hashtag Ducks Dish. Yeah, I, I'm incredibly excited for football season. That There's no season uh, quite like it. It's the best time of the year. Um, love the fall. Not only is the fall weather beautiful, I'm also looking forward. Call me basic if you want. I don't care. I'm looking forward to that pumpkin cream cold brew from Starbucks. Uh, that always hits different. I love getting that on Saturday morning. Uh, get up early. We'll see if I do it this year, but get up early, get up at 6 a.m. to watch college game day uh, and then enjoy a, a nice pumpkin cream cold brew from Starbucks. Get, you know, get the story sent out, the preview content, um, and, and just get excited for the matchup and, and enjoy college football. Uh, maybe look at the big games that are being played before Oregon. What games can I maybe watch after I wrap up some coverage for the day? So I'm I'm crazy excited. That's a little bit of my tradition from from last year. Um, was definitely super fun uh, being in Autzen in a normal setting. Seeing that the first time I got to cover games at Autzen, it was during COVID uh, when it was at its peak. So they had all the the little cardboard fan cutouts that were out there. Uh, it was an eerie environment, had a fan noise uh, being pumped in. Um, so it was just a unique time. I was really grateful to be able to do that, but uh, definitely glad that fans are back in the stands and uh, football is a little bit more normal now, um, seeing that things are a little bit uh, a little bit more uh, I don't want to talk about COVID too much, but it seems like we're we're doing we're doing all right with that. We'll, we'll just keep it at that. So that was the question from Izzy. Uh, I'm sure that he speaks for a lot of you guys uh, with uh, the excitement surrounding the 2022 season and uh, just football being back. Um, Gio's question is, what are we going to do at tackle? Which I think is a really good recruiting question. Um, Like I said, when I was talking about Jerry Jerry Mixon's commitment earlier on in today's show, um, the Ducks kind of needed some momentum there. I think that that was uh, 
a commitment that they needed because they had missed out on a couple offensive linemen, most recently with Miles McVay announcing his commitment to the Alabama Crimson Tide over the Oregon Ducks. Uh, Miles McVay, you'll remember, was out of East St. Louis, uh, took his official visit to Oregon. I think the Ducks actually might have gotten the last visit there. I'm not sure if he uh, took any trips after the dead period, but I, when I spoke with him, it really looked like Oregon was the leader. I also remember talking, uh, writing rather, um, you know, earlier on that uh, I thought that he was going to be one of the next three guys to commit to Oregon. So I'm going to own up to that. Um, you know, still trying to get more tapped in as an insider. Uh, but at the time, I thought that I thought that Oregon was going to get Miles McVay. Uh, but the Under Armour All American is headed to Tuscaloosa. So now we kind of, kind of, I don't know if I'd say re, reshift or maybe just refocus. Uh, the offensive line picture with recruiting for Oregon football in 2023. There's still some big names out there, but there are a lot of the top guys, uh, particularly at tackle that are already off the board. Um, so let's just kind of give a little run through because there's a, a lot of these guys, Oregon was recruiting heavily at, at one point in their recruitment. Francis Maligoa out of IMG, he's going to Miami. Uh, but when when Oregon had Crystal Ball and Mirabal on staff, they were heavily recruiting Francis Maligoa, Caden Proctor, the Iowa offensive lineman, they got him out on campus for a visit in the spring, and it looked like they were serious contenders in his recruitment. But then he decided to narrow things down to Alabama and Iowa and eventually ended up staying home in the state of Iowa. And then this other guy, we're just kind of going through some of the top names on uh, 247's rankings. This other, this next guy is someone that Oregon's still in the running for, but maybe kind of still looks like a long shot uh, at this point. And that's Samson Okunlola from Thayer Academy in Braintree, Massachusetts. 6'5", 305, dude's just super athletic, can do it all really, really well. Uh, they got him on campus for a visit, and I had a, a, a visit update interview posted on Ducks Digest that's still there. So if you want to go see what Samson Okunlola had to say about Oregon, definitely go ahead and do that. Let's see some other guys that, that Oregon might have been, uh, that Oregon has been or was recruiting. Olaus uh, Alinen, um, originally from Finland, I believe. Uh, he's now playing at the Loomis Chafee School in Windsor, Connecticut. He announced his commitment to Alabama, but then kind of working our way down, Spencer Fano. I think Spencer Fano has to be a name that uh, is right at the top of, of Oregon's big board, maybe underneath uh, Samson Okunlola, but I think he's maybe a more realistic, um, I think, he's probably a more realistic option right now. Uh, Oregon's done a really good job in the state of Utah. Spencer loved his visit to, to Oregon. He's taken some other trips, I believe, to Michigan, Michigan State, Utah as well. Um, seeing that he is the number two player in the state of Utah for the 2023 cycle, you know that Utah and BYU are going to give Oregon and any other school a run for their money in this recruitment. I know Spencer and his family really like uh, what they're seeing from Kyle Whittingham and, and how um, – They've kind of transformed that program into what they want to believe is a, is a Pac-12 power. I don't know if I'm ready to call them a Pac-12 power after one Pac-12 championship, but they're certainly a team every year that fields competitive guys uh, and that you never really want to see on your schedule. It feels like every time they're on Oregon's schedule, it's always later in the year. Um, so I think Spencer Fano is, is a guy that I feel pretty confident when it comes to Oregon's chances right now, um, seeing that, um, seeing that, how things have kind of progressed with, with some of these other guys that they've uh, maybe missed out on here in recent, uh, in recent weeks. A couple other names to, to watch here. You have Caleb Lemu out of Gilbert, Arizona 
in uh, at Highland High School, and he's a four-star guy. He's someone that I think is a little bit more of a recent offer uh, for for Oregon um, on the recruiting trail. Let's see. Let me take a look at him. Caleb Lemieux. I'm not typing his name right. Okay, yeah. So he's 6'5", 265, uh, 2023 guy. Um, landed that offer from, from Oregon uh, at the end of July. So it, it's definitely a, a fresher name to follow on the recruiting trail for, for Oregon. Uh, maybe a, a name that's some names that people are more familiar with. You still have Logan Riker out of Raytown High School, which is where the Ducks found cornerback Dante Manning in the 2020 class. Uh, also, you all have to figure that, uh, you know, Dan Lanning and, and uh, Greg Jones being Kansas City, you know, Missouri guys uh, on staff. I think that Oregon still probably feels pretty good about where they feel, where they land in that recruitment, um, where they stand with Logan. He's a 6'7", 345 pounder, four-star guy, um, top 30 at his position. And then you also have Raymond Polito, uh, who's at Apple Valley High School down in Southern California. He was formerly at St. John Bosco, but he's going to be going back to Apple Valley for his senior year. Kind of felt like Louisville was uh, the team to beat there with how many Bosco guys are going to Louisville. Pierce Clarkson, the quarterback, obviously committed to Louisville. So I remember Raymond, when I was talking to him, he loved his Oregon visit and that, that relationship that he's built with Coach Clem. But he said it would be great and it would kind of be a factor if he were able to play with Pierce Clarkson at the next level. Um, Louisville kind of really making some noise in the 2023 recruiting class. Um, so let's just see what other guys uh, Oregon is still in on when it comes to 2023 offensive line recruiting. Um, I already named a lot of these guys. Bryce Bolton, he's not a tackle. He's kind of a, 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 you know, I don't know if I'd say undersized, but I think he's, you know, 6'3", 250 area, uh, Palm Desert, California. That's a guy that I think the staff's pretty high on. Uh, he was out in Eugene for another visit uh, at, for that Saturday Night Live camp. Um, and he got his offer from the Ducks, I believe it was in June. So he's a kind of more of a, a riser here. Alani Noah is another guy um, that I think uh, certainly is on Oregon's radar here. He's from Northern California, I believe. Um, maybe maybe he's just not showing up here because he's not a, a tackle. Uh, you also have, let me see, where is he at? Alani Noah, Grant Union in Sacramento. 247 has him as an interior offensive lineman at 6'4", 320. Uh, so he's someone that uh, was recently in Eugene for a visit. I believe it was the end of June when he took a visit to Oregon uh, alongside Micah Benuelos, who has since committed to USC. So Micah, uh, I know Micah was talking about trying to get Alani Noah to join him in Southern California. So that's a name that you got to watch. And then another one is... Uh, I. Iapani Lalolu, uh, that's Faope's younger brother out of Honolulu, Hawaii, Farrington High School, 6'2", 355. Uh, I think he's pretty high on Arizona from kind of what I've been able to gather from, from following his recruitment a little bit. Um, so the, the Ducks definitely still have some names, but at the same time, it's I wonder if it, if it begs the question, you know, is there is there a little cause for concern when it comes to Oregon offensive line? Um, recruiting. I don't think overall there should be a lot of concern. I, I like the job that Adrian Clem and uh, and his staff did in 2022, getting Kavika Rogers and of course Josh Connerly Jr. getting Dave Uli back in the fold. So 
Uh, I mean, I think I understand the concern from Oregon fans when it comes to Oregon's offensive line recruiting, uh, but I don't think it's a, a, a massive deal right now. But you certainly need to acknowledge, and I'm sure that they do, that offensive line recruiting is an absolute priority in 2023 with so many of those veterans set to uh, depart after the 2022 season. So that's kind of the update that I have on offensive line recruiting from with uh, with that question from from Geo, I believe it was. Thanks for the question, Geo. Um, so let's see. We're getting some some comments here, so we can we can uh, address those. So you got some more questions. This one comes from Brian. Brian asks, when it comes to the slowdown of recruiting, how much can it be attributed to the Pac-12 future uncertainty? Yeah. I- I don't even know if I'd call it a recruiting slowdown. I mean, Oregon's landed three commitments in the in the month of August. Um, you know, maybe maybe fans are just expecting more uh, after after you know the previous tenure with with Mario Cristobal. It felt like they were getting commitments left and right. Um, but I think that they could. I'm, I feel like we should see some some results here with, with the offensive line, especially because of the pieces that Oregon already has in the fold: Dante Moore, Dante Dowdell, Jurion Dickey, Ashton Cozart. They have a lot of pieces already in the fold that are really solid on offense. So, um, but if you want to call it a slowdown and then just with Pac-12 future uncertainty, I think, I don't feel like that much can, can be attributed to it. At least I'm not going to put that much, I'm not going to attribute that much of it to Pac-12 uncertainty because at the end of the day, Oregon's still going to be Oregon. They're still going to be Nike U. Uh, they're still going to be able to attract big name coaches, big name players, the, you know, from what we see in the schedule, they're still going to be um, they're still going to be playing in big time games, right? You have Georgia, uh, BYU. Uh, I think in the future, Oregon has matchups set against Baylor and Texas Tech. So there's factors like that, and then there are also obviously uh, major contenders, pretty solid players in the NIL scene. So as long as they keep doing what they're doing. Uh, you definitely want to have a strong season under Dan Lanning in that first head coaching season at Oregon. Um, you want to keep winning games in the Pac-12, keep hopefully winning Pac-12 championships, get back to the playoff. I think that's really big. But I said it around the NFL draft, and I, I still feel pretty strongly about it. I still feel like that's one of, if not the best recruiting tool for Oregon, uh, is putting guys in the league. Um, I don't think it really matters what position that you're putting guys in the league at. Um, because at the end of the day, they, people just want recruits just want to know that they can go to your school and ultimately make it to the NFL. So I think that the the Pac-12 uncertainty is, is definitely kind of an uneasy time. Uh, Got to see what what happens, but I think that Oregon's going to have a seat at the table just with the the brand that they have, the on-field production that they've had in, in recent years. So I don't think that there that should be too much of a concern when it comes to the slowdown of recruiting, as you said in your question. Um, although it was definitely interesting to hear Micah Benuelos, uh, who I just talked about in the last answer, the last question, when he committed to USC over Oregon and Texas A&M, uh, I think that was really an Oregon, Texas, Oregon and USC battle. It was interesting to hear that Micah said uh, that USC going to the Big Ten was kind of a, a factor, played a role in, in his decision. Um, because I feel like that was one of the one of, if not the first Oregon targets that Oregon didn't land, who referenced conference realignment as a significant factor um, in in his recruitment and in his commitment. Um, so definitely an interesting an interesting point there. 
And then the Slayer commented, I would like to think that conference realignment uncertainty isn't really a factor for Oregon recruiting. I'd say regardless of rumors, everyone knows Oregon won't be left out. Yeah, I think that's more or less kind of the, the sentiment that I was trying to uh, convey in, in my answer. Uh, I think that as as far as TV market goes, it's a little tough for Oregon because you know the Portland and Eugene areas aren't that big when compared to some of these major markets like Los Angeles um, and, and other big areas throughout the, the country. You know, Dallas obviously is big. Uh, Atlanta is a big market. You know, Florida has its markets out there, but it's a unique deal for Oregon because they have such a national fan base, even global at times. Um, so that's why I think that it's going to be interesting to see how that really factors into wherever Oregon ends up going, because as long as you can access it, I think that was one of the biggest problems, right? When uh, under Larry Scott with the PAC 12 network is that it was hard to watch Oregon because you just couldn't get the games. Um, so whatever happens in the TV future for Oregon people are going to want to watch the Ducks regardless of where they're at. And I think that that's something that not a lot of schools, not every school that finds themselves in limbo right now, certainly not in the Pac-12 can say, you know, Washington State, Oregon State, um, Colorado, like they, they, those, those are smaller schools that, that really can't, I don't think that they can bring that discussion point to, to the table. So great question there. Like the question, Brian, and the, the discussion there. Micah Time commented flow and Sewell punishes Brock Bauer gate Brock Bauer's game one uh, man that that's going to be a matchup that we really have to keep our eyes on the Oregon linebackers against the Georgia tight ends Georgia could very well have the deepest tight end room in the entire country Brock Bowers was a, a guy that Oregon recruited heavily out of high school I believe he was he came out of uh, Napa the Napa area in, in Northern California so not that Napa is an area that Oregon's recruited a lot, but Northern California, California in general, that's certainly a guy Oregon wishes they could have added. Uh, but they were able to get Maliki Montevallo and Terrence Ferguson in the 2021 class, and they had one of the best hauls that year. But now Georgia also has, uh, I believe they also have, uh, let me see. I just got to look at their roster. I believe they also have uh, Darnell Washington, uh, who's just a massive tight end that Oregon was also recruiting. He was out of the Vegas area. Um, so you, let's see who else you have. You have Darnell Washington uh, at tight end. Uh, I believe you also have Eric Gilbert um, at tight end. Uh, Eric Gilbert, 6'5", 255, redshirt sophomore, previously at LSU. And then Darnell Washington, he's listed on the Georgia roster at 6'7", 270. So you just have some massive, massive... Uh, tight ends that that Oregon's going to have their hands full with. Um, not saying that I don't think they're going to do well, but it's certainly going to be a very very early test uh, that I think will speak show us a lot about you know what what this linebacker core has in store for this year. So I think that that's a matchup that I definitely agree with. Uh, wanting to watch uh, Micah Time, I think that that's a, a great comment. Um, just to keep an eye on on those guys and, and have the Oregon secondary. And um, and uh, the linebackers line, match up with the Georgia tight ends. Um, let's see. The last kind of update that I want to get into here, probably going to go for about 10 more minutes or so. So you guys have any questions, throw them in the chat. On Friday afternoon, we got updated heights and weights for Oregon uh, in 2022. 
Um, so I just kind of wanted to go through a couple groups and maybe talk about some of the ones that stood out to me. Uh, starting with the running backs, you have Marquise Irving, who arrived from Minnesota. He's listed at 5'10", 194. Byron Carwell, who is the most experienced Oregon running back from a season ago with the Ducks, you know, the most experienced at Oregon, uh, six foot, 206 pounds. You have Noah Whittington, the Western Kentucky transfer, who comes all the way across the country over to Eugene with Carlos Laughlin. He's listed at 5'8", 194, but man, does that dude run hard. Uh, really excited to see what Noah Whittington has in store for this season. Uh, and then another scholarship back that you have to, to have your eye on perhaps before this season is Jordan James. Jordan James is listed on the Oregon roster at 5'10", 210 pounds. He's going to be rocking the number 20 this year for Oregon coming out of Murphy, or sorry, Oakland High School in Nashville, Tennessee area. Um, I'm actually curious. I didn't see where what Sean Dollars was listed at, 5'8", 199. Uh, so you really like uh, kind of like the mixture of body types that you have at that that uh, position. I didn't think Sean Dollars was 5'8". I thought he was taller than that. Same with Noah Whittington. So kind of interesting to see two guys in that Oregon running back room that are 5'8". Are um, so you got a nice little mixture there, like I was saying. So that's the, that's the running backs. And then staying on offense, let's look at the wide receivers. Dante Thornton. Uh, he was someone who I thought caught a lot of attention in spring because of just the changes he made to his body physically, his, his frame. Now he's listed at six foot five, 199 pounds. Troy Franklin, 6'3", 178. I know he's still trying to add some more weight. Uh, fresh, true freshman Kyler Casper, six foot six, 193 pounds. Great size there for a wide receiver. And that's a dude that can run. Seven McGee, five foot eight, 180 pounds. Um, Really, I just think an, an awesome asset for this Oregon offense. I'm excited to see him all over the field, maybe take some handoffs, get involved in the screen game, uh, definitely like over the middle and just getting him in space. I think that's someone that you really think of when you think about Kenny Dillingham's vision for this offense, one-on-one matchups, getting guys in space and putting them in positions to be successful. Caleb Chapman, the Texas A&M wide receiver, transfers six foot five, 218 pounds. Uh, and then you have Chase Coda, 6'3", 200 pounds. So some really good size for Oregon's wide receivers. Uh, length and speed definitely being prioritized there. Um, offensive line, let's see what we have here. Just some of the newer names. Dave Uli, freshman offensive lineman from Puyallup, Washington, 6'3", 339 pounds. Uh, really important for Oregon to get him back in the fold after he decommitted following the coaching transition. Kavika Rogers, the Hawaiian offensive lineman in the 2022 class, 6'5", 334 pounds. That is a big body, uh, huge dude for, for uh, Adrian Clem and company to work with. Josh Connerly, Oregon's prized offensive line signee in 2022, five-star guy, Oregon over USC. You know the, you know the details there, 6'4", 294 pounds. So really good to see him already really close to 300 pounds. And then let's talk about some of the returners. Ryan Walk, 6'2", 286. Alex Forsythe, 6'3", 312 pounds. TJ Bass, 6'4", 325. And let's talk about Jackson Powers Johnson. He's still listed as an offensive lineman slash defensive lineman, 6'3", 319 pounds. He's really bulked up since coming to Oregon in 2021 as an early enrollee. Dawson Jaramillo, Kind of a guy that I think is flying a little bit under the radar in this offensive line was, was like their Swiss Army knife of a 
of an offensive lineman last year is what some of his teammates called him. Uh, we also saw Ryan Walk move around a lot as Alex Forsythe was battling back spasms. But Dustin Jeremillo, 6'5", 300. Uh, Sala, Molly Sala, Amavila Ulu, uh, 6'6", 330. Looking for a big season after initially declaring for the NFL draft. And then Faope Lalolu, 6'7", 330 pounds. So those are some of the big notables as far as the, the offense. Uh, we could also talk about the quarterbacks. Jay Butterfield, 6'6", 216. Bo Nix, 6'2", 213. Uh, and then you also have Ty Thompson, 6'4", 224 pounds. Ty Thompson, definitely a physically imposing quarterback for the Ducks. And then let's move on over to offense as we kind of start to wind down, or sorry, defense as we start to wind down here a little bit. Uh, the defensive line, this is probably the biggest defensive line Oregon has had since the days of Eric Armstead and DeForest Buckner, at least in my memory. Uh, some of the big names here, Brandon Dorless, he's the face of that D-line, 6'3", 290, so getting closer to three bills. Uh, Popo, who's back now, uh, important to note that Tony Tuioti talked about how it's a lot more fun coaching uh, in the fall now than it was in the spring because he has some of his best players back, Brandon Dorless being one of them. Popo listed at 6'3", 304. Sam Taki Taimani, the Washington transfer, listed at 6'3", 315 pounds. Uh, the... Then they have the pair of Nebraska transfers, Jordan Riley, six foot five, three hundred twenty-five pounds. Casey Rogers, six foot five, two hundred eighty-five pounds. And then you have Keanu Williams, who's a returning guy for Oregon, six four, three hundred. And then um, you also have Keon Ware Hudson, who is back healthy, six two, two eighty-one. You can see how he definitely lost some weight as he was battling injury as well and trying to recover. Uh, and then some of the newer guys in Oregon's 2022 class, Ben Roberts, 6'2", 311 out of Utah. Sir Mel, 6'3", 315 out of the Vegas area. So this is one of the biggest defensive lines that Oregon's had in quite a while. Um, you got to figure that they're going to be really competitive at the line of scrimmage and certainly defending the run. Got to knock back that offensive line. And then looking at the linebackers for Oregon, Noah Sewell, still in familiar territory, 6'2", 253. Justin Flo, 6'3", 230. And then this is kind of an interesting one just because of the little story that comes with it from last year. DJ Johnson listed at 6'4", 270 pounds. I remember last season in fall camp, uh, we were getting ready to see a little bit of the scrimmage for Oregon. DJ Johnson uh, had been a little bit injured or absent from fall camp last summer. And then he showed up and he was listed at 270. And let's just put it this way, he did not look like he was anywhere near 270 pounds but from the pictures that we've seen uh you know from our guy scott bolt um and you know other media members in the oregon market it does look like he is perhaps more appropriately listed now really kind of being in that 6'4 270 range um brayden swinson who's another guy i think dj johnson and brayden swinson are really viewed now as the two top edge rushers for oregon or those guys that can kind of try to fill in a little bit of the void left by Kayvon Thibodeau's departure. Um, I think that those are some major players. Braden Swinson, 6'4", 233 pounds. Um, Mace Funa, who's returning on the edge for Oregon. Um, definitely a strong veteran for the Ducks. He's listed at 6'3", 255 pounds. Uh, Jeffrey Bossa, who I talked about earlier, I was kind of interested since it looked like last year, I think he was saying that the previous staff's uh, intention was to move him back into the secondary uh, after last season, but they obviously kept him uh, at linebacker now. I was kind of curious to see 
how does how does Wilson Love, how does the strength and conditioning staff at Oregon approach Jeffrey Bossa's offseason? Because he still played, I believe it was around the 215 mark last year, but now he's listed at 6'2", 212 pounds, so maybe a little bit lighter than you were expecting, but I feel like he's undoubtedly Oregon's fastest linebacker. I know that Dan Lanning really pointed to his athleticism and his tackling ability and physicality kind of as a prototypical linebacker in terms of just his overall skill set. But I know physically 6'2", 212 doesn't really sound like your prototypical linebacker. Um, and then let's see who else the Ducks have here um, at, in their linebacker core. Uh, Jackson LaDuke, 6'2", 236 pounds. Keith Brown, 6'1", 235 pounds. And then a couple of the newer guys, the younger guys from the 2022 class who have some crazy track speed, I might add. Devin Jackson, 6'2", 214 pounds. Harrison Taggart, 6'1", 216 pounds. And then let's go and spotlight some of the guys in Oregon's secondary. You got Christian Gonzalez, who's looking like cornerback one this year, 6'2", 201. I think he was one of four Oregon players that landed on Bruce Feldman's freaks list. Uh, Christian Gonzalez, he can run with anybody. That's really kind of what the, the buzz is out of fall camp. Jamal Hill, six foot, 211 pounds. Avante Dickerson, maybe someone that we'll see a little bit more of playing cornerback this year, six foot, 173 pounds. Uh, I wanted to see what they had Dante Manning at, 5'10, 189. That, that's really solid size for a cornerback. Uh, Steve Stevens, six foot, 197. So it looks like he's bulked up a little bit here in the offseason. Trajan Williams, one of the, the 2022 defensive back signees for Oregon, 5'11", 187. Uh, Jaleel Florence, who was here in the spring as an early enrollee, 6'1", 191. And then Jaleel Tucker, his teammate at Lincoln San Diego, uh, 6'165". So maybe a little bit lighter uh, on the on the scale than you were maybe expecting for uh, Jaleel Tucker. Um, but yeah, I really like what we're seeing from from uh, you know these updates with the, the height and weight. You have safety Bennett Williams at 6'205 pounds. Really feel like he's going to have an awesome season after he had that freak injury. Triquest Bridges, 6'3", 192 pounds. So uh, I'll probably write a story uh, before long uh, on Ducks Digest about the updated heights and weights, but that's one of the most exciting parts, just highlighting the the, you know, the big gainers and you know who maybe lost some weight. Uh, but it should absolutely be an exciting season uh, for Oregon as they continue through fall camp. Today's Saturday, and they have their first scrimmage. So we'll get to talk to Dan Lanning and get to hear about his biggest takeaways from seeing his team's first scrimmage in fall camp. Uh, before I get out of here, guys, just wanted to say a big thank you to all you who popped into the live stream and were asking questions and commenting in the live chat. Always want to encourage that and, and uh, engage with you guys. Before I get out of here, if you could do me a huge favor, smash the like button and smash the subscribe button. Uh, it is a tremendous help. It only takes a second out of your day. And then hit that notification bell so that you don't miss out on future Oregon football live streams. Always talking football, always talking recruiting. Um, so definitely wanted to ask you guys to do that. And then just the biggest favor, share the show. We're trying to grow the community here at Ducks Digest. Got a lot of awesome Duck fans that are already a part of it. And we want to continue to grow that community. So maybe steal someone's phone, one of your friends or your family members, Duck fans. Go ahead, steal their phone and subscribe to the channel. Subscribe to the podcast so you can see it in your feed. But uh, that'll do it for this one, you guys. Thank you so much for stopping by. Thank you for all your support. And we will catch you in the next episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast.
Dish Podcast. Dish Podcast. Dish Podcast. Dish Podcast. Dish Podcast. Dish Podcast. Dish Podcast. Dish Podcast. Dish Podcast. Dish Podcast. Dish Podcast. Dish Podcast. Dish Podcast. Dish Podcast. Dish Podcast. Dish Podcast. Dish Podcast. Dish Podcast. Dish Podcast. Dish Podcast. Dish Podcast. Dish Podcast. Dish Podcast. Dish Podcast. Dish Podcast. Dish Podcast. Dish Podcast. Dish Podcast. Dish Podcast. Dish Podcast. Dish Podcast. Dish Podcast.